This is Garrison Harney with your Cross Politic Daily News Brief for Wednesday, November 30th, 2022. Happy Hump Day, everyone. I hope you've all been having a good week thus far. And before we get to the news, do you want your kids to be able to take on our wicked culture and be dangerous? Look no further than NSA. Today's culture shifts like sand, but New St. Andrews College is established on Christ the Immovable Rock. It is a premier institution that forges evangelical leaders who don't fear or hate the world. Guided by God's word, they take the world back because they're equipped with the genius of classical liberal arts and God-honoring wisdom, thanks to a faculty dedicated to academic rigor and to God's kingdom. Find out more at NSA. Dot edu. That's nsa.edu, one of our corporate partners. Now, uh, we've been discussing the Chinese protests recently, and that continues today as white paper revolution spreads. Anti-CCP protests break out worldwide as Chinese students demonstrate in key cities. Following days of ongoing protests in China, the white paper revolution has spread outside the country with protesters across the globe, many of Chinese descent standing in solidarity with those in China protesting their country's zero COVID policy. Protesters on Berkeley's campus set fire to a masked Winnie the Pooh stuffed animal representing Chinese President Xi Jinping. Students from NYU gathered in New York City's Washington Square Park to protest in solidarity with Chinese citizens, stepping up in their own country, setting up another candlelight vigil. Protesters in the square chanted, quote, no lockdown, but freedom, no lies, but dignity, no cultural revolution, but reform, no supreme leaders, but votes, no slaves, but citizens. Twitter user Indy posted the footage. Protesters held a banner that read, Chinese Communist Party, step down, give me liberty or death. Demonstrations were also seen in Tokyo, Japan, with Chinese students protesting outside of the city's Chinese embassy while holding white sheets of paper. In London, England, protesters chanted, down with the party, down with Xi Jinping, free China, flying the flag of East Turkestan, the region of China where the apartment fire broke out. Protests have sparked in China following the Urmqi apartment fire last week. Chinese citizens took to the streets in major cities like Shanghai and Beijing in opposition to the country's zero-COVID policy, which issues strict restrictions for those found to be positive for the virus, including separating them from those who test negative, like family members. DeSantis, speaking of China... We've got Apple coming into play. DeSantis slams Apple as vassal of the CCP after it limits airdrop on Chinese iPhones. Apple has been accused of being vassals for the Chinese Communist Party by Florida Governor Ron DeSantis after the tech giant restricted its airdrop feature amid white paper revolution protests breaking out across the country. Chinese citizens are demonstrating against the CCP's lockdown policies. The criticism comes as Apple and Google consider pulling Twitter from their respective app stores in response to owner Elon Musk's new free speech policies, which include dropping restrictions around so-called COVID disinformation. They have been encouraged to do so by some American journalists, including those at The Washington Post. Musk has said that he is a free speech absolutist and believes the platform should be open to discourse and should not engage in censorship. 
The airdrop feature is a vital tool for those in authoritarian countries as the feature uses direct connections between phones rather than using any Internet signal to communicate. On November 9th, Apple released its new iOS. The update made it so that all iPhones sold in mainland China can only receive messages from people for just 10 minutes before the function stops working. Governor DeSantis made several comments about China during a media appearance on Tuesday where he accused Apple of being a vassal of the CCP and warned that nuking Twitter off the App Store would be anti-free speech. There's reports that Apple is not allowing the protesters to use this airdrop function where they're trying to communicate. That obviously is providing aid and comfort to the CCP. And so you see that report, and that's very concerning. And then when you also hear reports that Apple is threatening to remove Twitter from the App Store because Elon Musk is actually opening it up for free speech and is restoring a lot of accounts that were uh, unfairly and illegitimately suspended for putting out accurate information about COVID. That's like one of the main things that's being reinstated. So many things these experts were wrong at, and you had people on Twitter that were calling that out. And Twitter, the old regime in Twitter, their response was to try to just suffocate the dissent. And, and, and Elon Musk knows that's not a winning formula, and so he's uh, providing free speech. And so if Apple responds to that, uh, by nuking them from from the App Store, you know, I think that that would be a huge, huge mistake, and it would be a really raw exercise of monopolistic power that I think would merit a response uh, from from the United States Congress. And so, uh, don't be a vassal of the CCP on one hand, and then use your corporate power in the United States on the other to suffocate Americans and try to suppress their right to express themselves. And so I'm glad I'm glad things are changing at Twitter. And I know there's a lot of work to do with big tech generally, but um, uh, but this is big progress. And we're really happy that that is now happening. Yesterday, Musk said that he was prepared to go to war with Apple over the prospect of it pulling the app. In a tweet on Tuesday, Musk said that it is a real problem that Apple and Google effectively control access to most of the Internet via their app stores. Protests in China have raged across several cities in response to extreme measures taken by the CCP under President Xi Jinping. On Monday, National Security Council Coordinator for Strategic Communications John Kirby was asked why the Biden administration had not responded more strongly in support of the ongoing people's protests in China against that country's authoritarian regime. Kirby said, quote, we're watching this closely, as you might expect. We would, and again, we continue to stand up and support the right of peaceful protest. And I think we're going to watch this closely, and we'll see where things go. Kirby said that President Biden would not be speaking on behalf of protesters and that the protesters are speaking for themselves. Speaking of big tech, Google YouTube. Spend millions to launch Global Fact Check Fund. On Tuesday, Google and YouTube announced that they will be providing a $13.2 million grant to the nonprofit Poitner Institute's International Fact Checking Network with the goal of launching a new Global Fact Check Fund set to launch in early 2023. The move, which marks the company's largest fact checking grant to date, comes as they continue to ramp up their fight against 
misinformation online. According to Google and YouTube, the grant will support the Poitner Institute's network of 135 fact-checking organizations from 65 countries covering over 80 languages. The companies justified their decision by noting that helping people to identify misinformation is a global challenge. The Global Fact Check Fund, they explained, will help fact-checkers to scale existing operations or launch new ones that elevate information, uplift credible sources, and reduce the harm of mis- and disinformation around the globe. Organizations are expected to use the funding to incorporate new technologies, create or expand digital footprints, optimize verification tools, and increase their capacities to deepen audience engagement through innovative storytelling formats such as audio, video, or podcasts. The world needs fact-checking more than ever, IFCN Executive Director Baybars Orsek said. This partnership with Google and YouTube infuses financial support to global fact-checkers and is a step in the right direction. And while there's much work to be done, this partnership has sparked meaningful collaboration and an important step. In recent years, investments in programs aimed at tackling misinformation and disinformation online have grown in tandem with people's interest and awareness in the subject. According to data from Google, in October 2022, interest in mis- and disinformation across the world reached its highest point since 2004, when records began, with the most pressing topic being the COVID-19 pandemic. During the pandemic, big tech's fact-checking apparatus went into overdrive as companies struggled to keep up with information that seemed to be changing on a daily not hourly basis. YouTube has been criticized for its crackdowns on those who shared ideas that opposed the mainstream, many of whom have had their views vindicated in the months since. Hey, cross-politic, we've been banned four times off of YouTube. Who would have thought? Moving on, Biden rushing to track the $20 billion we gave Ukraine. How do you lose $20 billion? Let's find out. Republicans who are poised to take control of the House in January have promised to audit the immense amount of money our Congress has been shipping off to fight another country's war. Among the goals of the audit would be determining how much of the money ended up in the wrong hands. As previous tracking efforts proved, the Biden administration only inspected a small fraction of the funds. Republicans are not without allies across the aisle in this effort. As it turns out, there are still a few truly and consistently anti-folks left on the Democrats' bench who share the GOP's concern over our involvement in this conflict. Quote, the taxpayers deserve to know that investment is going where it's intended to go, Rep. Jason Crow, a Democrat of Colorado, said. In any war, there can be missteps and misallocation of supplies. According to reports, only 10% of the 22,000 weapons the U.S. gave Ukraine between February and November first have been inspected. The threats of an audit have led to a lot of hand-wringing by warmongers on both parties, as well as overseas. Members of Parliament have worried out aloud that these investigations may lead to the U.S. cutting its funding of Ukraine altogether, which would be um, ideal. While we should absolutely not be involved in this proxy war that is threatening global peace, spurring an energy crisis, and deepening the reception many, recession rather, many countries, including our own, are experiencing, a basic audit of the funds is the bare minimum here. It is outrageous that we're sending billions of dollars to this cause at all, much less without any idea how they are being utilized. Some congressional leaders, namely Rand Paul, have been working to mandate such oversight for some time and have largely been opposed by both Republican and Democrats. To enter a war, the U.S. is supposed to require a vote by all members of Congress. That hasn't happened in over two decades, while at the same time we have invested trillions of taxpayer dollars and given up thousands of American lives involving ourselves in conflicts that don't pertain to us and that the American people never got to vote on.
Elsewhere, monkeypox gets canceled. We we solved it, folks. Problem solved. Who says the name is racist? Changes it to mpox. In what seems to be another foray into left-wing logic, the World Health Organization announced on Monday that they would no longer use the term monkeypox because of racist and stigmatizing language over usage on the term. Who released a statement which read in part, following a series of consultations with global experts, who will be using begin using a new preferred term, mpox, as a synonym for monkeypox. Both names will be used simultaneously for one year while monkeypox is phased out. The trend of renaming diseases is not a new one. Political correctness was front and center for the WHO as far back as 2015 when they released best practices for the naming of new human diseases. At the time, WHO stated that new disease names should be assigned with the aim to minimize unnecessary negative impact of disease names on trade, travel, tourism, or animal welfare, and avoid causing offense to any cultural, social, national, regional, professional, or ethnic groups. An earlier announcement was made in June after approximately 30 scientists declared there was, quote, urgent need for a non-discriminatory and non-stigmatizing nomenclature for the monkeypox virus, end quote. The Biden administration, in their never-ending search for perfect political correctness compliance, had already privately urged a name change, arguing that it calling it monkeypox could be hampering vaccination efforts. And we don't want that, do we? Folks, our Fight, Laugh, Feast magazine is a quarterly issue that packs a punch like a 21-year Belvini, no ice. We don't water down our scotch. Why would we water down our theology? Order a yearly subscription for yourself, and then send a couple yearly subscriptions to your friends who have been drinking lukewarm evangelical Kool-Aid. Every quarter, we promise quality food for the soul, wine for the heart, and some Red Bull for turning over tables. Our magazine will include cultural commentary, a psalm of the quarter, recipes for feasting, laughter sprinkled throughout the glossy pages, and more. Sign up today, fightlaughfeast.com. Just 60 bucks for the whole year, fightlaughfeast.com. Now, it's time for my favorite topic, sports, and this time we're going to the ice. NHL denies the truth and reality, embraces and promotes transgender idol worship. Nice. The National Hockey League made it abundantly clear they now worship at the altar of transgenderism when they recently declared that they deny reality by claiming that men can become women and women can become men. The organization posted to Twitter their support of a team trans draft tournament that was held in Middleton, Wisconsin. They wrote, quote, the NHL is proud to support this past weekend's team trans draft tournament in Middleton, Wisconsin. This was the first tournament comprised entirely of transgender and non-binary players with around 80 folks participating. The organization took it a step further when they responded to a user who asked, quote, so men playing on a women's team? The league responded, trans women are women, trans men are men, non-binary identity is real, end quote. This tweet and the celebration of the tournament are not the only denial of reality. They are promoting other people to embrace in this denial of reality. This statement of idol worship comes a little over a month after NHL embraced anti-white racism, where they claimed in their Accelerating Diversity and Inclusion report that the organization's teams are too white. In order to address what they view as a problem, they revealed plans to reduce the percentage of white people that work for them. Um, it says that we are where we expect it to be, but now we have the facts to back it up. Um, I think the one area that we are um, are feeling positive about is that 38% of our workforce are women. Um, we've done a lot of work to improve in that area. 
uh, and it's very consistent with our current female fan base of 40%, and so that's a great benchmark. Um, having said that, we know we have work to do with women of color, and we're leaning into that. Um, I think the, the thing that you should take away from the workforce uh, study is that it is a progressive outlook on how you begin to manage your talent. And it is progressive in that it's a self-identified report. So of our 4,200, approximately 4,200 employees across the league and the club, 67% of our employees participated in it, and this is how they self-identified. Um, and we will take this benchmark every two years and measure our progress over time. Well, there you go. Hockey is dead. What do you make of the NHL worshipping at the altar of transgenderism and encouraging others to join in their idolatry? Ah, the prophets of Baal are at it again. This has been your Cross-Politic Daily News Brief. If you like today's news brief, hit that share button for me down below. If you want to sign up for a club membership or for a magazine, head on over to FightLaughFeast.com. And as always, if you want to send me a news story, if you want to ask about corporate partnership, go ahead and email me at Garrison at FightLaughFeast.com. For Cross-Politic News, I'm Garrison Hardy. Have a great rest of your day, and Lord bless.